You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 39. Welcome to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back, everybody. This is College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and it has been a fantastic week, as I am sure you are preparing or just a few weeks into your spring college semester. As I discussed last week, we are going over uh, emotional regulation. Uh, over the, This is part two of that. Um, we've got some more things we'll be discussing in future episodes, but i really came up with this whole idea because I called it the winter doldrums. And for those of you who are in cold weather states, which is probably a majority of the country, and you're not in Southern California, where even today it was a balmy 58 degrees, um, you're, when you have these winter doldrums, you start to go through a lot of emotions. I remember that when I went to Ball State University, constant cold and rain can really take its wear and tear on you. So I wanted to make sure that we covered thoughts and feelings and, and how to better understand the relationship that they have with one another. And so that's what we're going to finish up today. I'm super pumped about this one because I love discussing emotions. <laughs> I'm not so great at um talking about them. I'm not so great at, uh, I get a lot, I get very emotional inside, but not so great at articulating them outside. And for those of you who have those same kind of patterns within you, then you'll find uh, a lot of this will connect with you. Um, today I had an amazing conversation with uh, a woman over at the Los Angeles City College. Her episode will be coming up here in the near future. And one of the things we really put a, a great deal of focus on was just uh, having students understand how many resources are available for you on campus that whether you need help tutoring, need help putting together a resume, getting a career in order, getting your grades better, and most importantly, your mental health. There are therapists on most university campuses nowadays. You just have to go to the mental health um, center, wherever that is on your campus. You can go on the website. You can find this. If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling depressed, anxiety, overwhelmed, stress, all the things that I wrote my book about you know, to help you just get into that growth mindset, courageous mode where you realize that you are in charge of your emotions because you are in charge of your thoughts. And all of these thoughts come from events and circumstances that happen in your life. And this was what last week's episode was on. Please go back, listen to it. That these events, these circumstances in your life, they trigger these thoughts which cause feelings, which drive actions, which create results. And they all go back to anchor back into um, your psyche so that the next time one of these events or circumstances happens again, um, it begins to trigger this feedback loop. And you want it to be a positive feedback loop and not a negative feedback loop. And without getting too you know, psychological psychiatry on here, because I don't have a degree in that, um, I just read a lot about it. Um, for a lot of us, what we ended up doing is just feeling something and not really understanding where the thought came that caused that feeling. And so whenever you see this this circle, I want you to, if you have a pen and paper handy, write down a, an event slash circumstance at the top, and then to the right of that, going clockwise at about two o'clock, write thoughts, 
then below that in a circle, right about five o'clock, write feelings, and then right about eight, eight, nine o'clock, write actions, and then right about nine, ten, eleven o'clock, whatever, write outcome. Right? I just want you to write, draw this circle, so that you can see that circumstances trigger thoughts, which cause feelings, drive actions, create results, which all go back to anchoring into that event or circumstance. So when it happens again in the future, it will trigger similar thoughts, feelings, and actions. Okay. Now. Why it's important to be able to see this in a circular loop is that you won't usually catch yourself at the thought mode. You'll usually catch yourself in the feeling or the action part of this circle. You'll you'll have a feeling of sadness or depression, and next thing you know, you're laying on the couch and you're skipping classes. What's good about this circular loop that we've created for you to pay attention to is that if you find yourself with this sad feeling laying on the couch, now you can go back and you can think about, well, what was the thought that brought about the sadness? And then when you can nail down what the thought was, then you can think about whatever event circumstance brought that about. Right, it might be easier to see the event or circumstance, and less easy to see the thought. Right, uh, something you know, um, something happens, and next thing you know, you have a sad feeling, and you're laying on the couch skipping class. You may not know what that thought was, but it's it's okay to not know right away what that thought was. It's just important that you're aware that something happened, and that it triggered a thought, which caused the feeling, which drove the action. Right, if you find yourself in the feeling or the action part of this circle, then you can't see the thought. All you can see is that, well, you know, my roommate didn't um, put the dishes in the dishwasher, and that made me angry, and I got frustrated. And so, next thing you know, I just said, "That's it. I can't even deal with people today, and I'm just going to go lay on the couch and I'm going to skip all my classes." Then that's fine that you don't know what the thought is right away, but at least you know that you need to figure out what the thought was. Perhaps it's you, th- you think that the roommate doesn't respect you, even though you've asked multiple times, and therefore you think that people don't respect you, and then you feel that if you go and you try to be in public, that people will disrespect you to your face, and then it makes you sad, and next thing you're, lay- you're laying on the couch and you're skipping class. I don't know what this whole loop would look like for you. I'm just throwing out a possible scenario. So go back and listen to that episode to really understand how these circumstances trigger thoughts, which cause the feelings, which drive the actions, which create the results, which all go back to anchor so that the next time your roommate leaves the dishes in the in the sink again, next this time you just go way off the handle, right? You don't have a normal response for something that is pretty much is pretty trivial. My roommate leaves his, dis, his dishes in the sink frequently. I've just got accustomed to leaving them there. It's like, okay, whatever. You put them there for something. Maybe you just want to use that glass again later and you don't want it in the dishwasher. Or maybe you didn't remember that. I've already asked you 17 times to put it in the dishwasher. I don't know, but I'm not going to naturally jump to the fact that he doesn't, uh, I'm not going to naturally jump to the idea that he doesn't respect me. Um, If I'm going to go that far, then it's time to have a conversation and sit down with that roommate and ask them what it is. Because maybe they were always told to put their dishes in in the dishwasher as a kid, and now they live on their own and they want to be able to do whatever they want. And whenever you tell them that they have to put their dishes in the dishwasher, it triggers a rebellious behavior because they want to say F you to mom and dad, and you're just the nearest person that they can act that way toward. 
So go back and listen to episode 38 to get under more understanding of that. Today we're going to discuss, um, and before I get too far away from that, uh, that whole thing started because there are mental health resources on your campus. There are mental health resources available to you. Go and look for them. And even though it might be difficult to reach out and ask for help, I can assure you, you will feel way better when you just take that step into that office and get yourself into the system of it, right? Like me and Jessica from LACC were saying today is that you want to start seeking the help before you need it. When I used to run um, half marathons, they would always remind us, drink water before you're thirsty. Because once you're thirsty, you're already dehydrated. And so I bring that up because go seek the help before you actually need it. If you already have a therapist or a counselor that you're talking to once a month, if something really goes haywire and you need some help immediately, you already have a connection there. Your name's already in the system. They're already used to seeing you. So if you call up and you're bawling in tears because your 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 girlfriend or boyfriend broke up with you and you have a test coming up and you don't know how you're going to handle all the emotions, then they're ready for you. Doesn't mean that if you haven't gone yet and you call them up and you're super in need of somebody that they're not going to be able to help you. But if you've already been going in there, then they're going to have some background on you. They're going to know who you are. They're going to already have a connection with you and it's going to greatly help them figure out the best ways to help you heal and move through whatever um, emotion that you're feeling, right? Because you don't want to sit in your room alone with a bottle of booze trying to figure it out because I can assure you (laughs) that is not going to help and it is certainly not going to work or is it you know it's it's, it's not going to it's not going to help and it you know it's certainly not going to help and it probably won't work it's both <laughs> it's both i had it right the first time let's get on to what i've been mentioned last week we're going to discuss approach motivation avoid motivation and attack motivation today because whenever you do have a feeling, um, there's going to be certain motivations you have in, in regards to how you react to it. And remembering from last year that I said, last year, last week, that I said feelings are a critical part of how we create meaning to the events and circumstances of our lives. Hence, why the top of this circle, circumstances and events, right? It's, it's, these feelings are how you create meaning around them. The meanings we draw from our feelings are almost always motivate our behaviors. Again, all going back to this circle, the meanings we draw from our feelings almost always motivate our behaviors. All right, so when you focus more on your feelings than actually showing appreciation for your values, who you are as a human, right? That's where these addictions and these sporadic compulsions begin to show themselves. You know, last week I shared a story about how uh, me and a girlfriend broke up a long, long time ago. And the next day she slipped on some ice and broke her arm. So not only did she have to deal with our breakup, she also had to deal with a broken arm. And she was a pianist and she played the uh, clarinet or the flute. um, And she was a straight A student going on to be pre-med. And she aced that entire semester because she did not allow her feelings to override the values that she had toward herself and why she was in college. Right. I recently uh, came across a really amazing values list. And when you start to think of values and, and what yours are, it can be things like stability, perseverance, family, um, achievement, creativity, spiritual growth, learning, personal growth, community appearance. At some point, I'm going to figure out a way. Maybe I'll post this over on the Instagram page soon. Maybe I'll drop it in the show notes. I'm not sure. You can always just Google a list of values. 
Uh, the sheet I have in front of me is certainly not the end-all, be-all of lists, but it definitely um, helps me figure out some different ways that I can talk about my values. You know, security, honesty, respectfulness, forgiveness, relationships, courageousness, confidence, status, acceptance, power, sharing, peace, intellectual status. These are the kind of things, if you know what your values are, then you can make sure that you're holding to them. And that will allow you to control how your feelings begin to affect your behaviors. Because if you know you want to be of someone who perseveres through challenging times, who um, has acceptance of self and others, then when something bad happens, you can somebody hurts your feelings, you can accept their behavior as what they did and not a knock on you. And you can persevere through that because those are two important values to you. But if you don't have any clue about your values, then you're just basically at the whims of your feelings. It's, it, you'd, you'd be like a, a tiny little sailboat in the ocean without any kind of rudder or motor. The rudder motor is your values. Without it, you're just getting tossed around by the waves. And that really will, that will leave you in upheaval. And you won't even know why you're sad sometimes you just will feel sad and you won't be able to put your finger on why. As I was mentioning before, consistent self-regulation of your emotions requires you focus on your deepest values above and beyond all of your feelings. This is going to be one of the best ways for you to just manage and and thrive in college on a day-to-day basis. If you violate your values, right? Then you'll have bad feelings. You'll, you'll feel sad. But if you, if you're not really sure what your values are, you'll just, you'll do something that violates them, but you won't be really sure what it is you did. You'll just all of a sudden feel bad because your unconscious mind will know, well, I valued self-acceptance, but now I'm beating myself up in the mirror over a zit or beating myself up over my clothing choices. And now I feel bad about myself. And now I'm going to go lay on the couch and skip class. But one of your values is self-acceptance. And so when you go against it, all of a sudden your feelings are going to override you. And that's when you find yourself laying on the couch, Netflixing all day instead of actually going to class and being a good student. So when we think about approach motivation, avoid motivation and attack motivation, um, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of understanding toward versus away energy. Right. If if you're if you have a toward energy, so that means that you went to school because you want a good job so that you can have a successful career, a um, good financial uh, background, and that you can raise a get married and raise a family and be happy. That's a toward motivation, right? You're going toward positive things. You want a good job. You want to be able to support your family. You want to be able to travel and see the world and experience life. Now, if you have an away motivation, then you're going to college because you don't want to be poor. You don't want to end up like your parents. You don't want to be seen as stupid. You don't want to be seen as a failure. These are all negative feelings. These are all negative thoughts, and therefore they are away motivators. Now we're getting ready to discuss approach, avoid, and attack, but this this would this is what would fall underneath approach, avoid, and attack motivations would fall underneath this toward and away energies. So whenever you think about like well, I better I better study because I don't want to get an F, that's an away motivation. You know, I better study because I want to prove to myself that I really know this information so that I, in the future I'll be able to regurgitate it whenever I'm called upon. 
that's a tort energy, right? So just look, you know, it's like, oh, I better get up on time or I'm going to miss the bus and then I'm not going to want to go to a class and I'm going to want to skip and just watch Netflix. That's an away motivation. I better get up on time so that I can have a good hearty meal and make sure my backpack's in order so I can go to class and I'll be the best student I possibly can be. That's a toward motivation, right? So toward in a way energies, these things motivate you. It's the words you're using in your head. That is the most important part to understand is that it may not necessarily be something that is tangible and physically in front of you that you can touch and feel and taste and smell and hear. These are going to be things inside of your head. It's the language that you're using in your head that will determine whether you're using a toward or away energy. So you've given you a few examples. No doubt you'll be able to find this in yourself today. Today. You know, if you're dreading going to work, it's like, oh, I hate that job. I don't want to go, but I'm only going because if I don't, I won't be able to pay my rent. Next thing you know, I'm sleeping in a van down by the river. Well, that's in a way energy. You know, I, I'm going to work because I'm super excited to see my coworkers. And, you know, I love, you know, earning money so that I can afford all these nice things I have around me. Like my phone is so super awesome. And if I don't have this awesome job, I don't get to plan all these fun apps. And I love being able to provide this for myself. That is a toward energy, right? It's, it's these languages. It's 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 like scarcity mode versus um, is it, is it, what is it? Scarcity versus not generosity, abundance, abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset. Toward energy or away energy. Abundance is toward scarcity is away. Okay, great. We've covered that. Take some notes on that if you must. I'm telling you, I use that all the time. Now, when we think about toward and away energies, now we're looking at what motivates them underneath. And you have approach, avoid, and attack motivations. In approach motivation, when we want to get more of something, experience more, discover more, learn more, appreciate more, we increase its value or, or worthiness um, to ourselves. We pay more attention to it. I always say that if you want to get something, what you set your attention toward is where your intentions go and vice versa. When you put your intention toward something, that's where your attention goes. Attention, intention, very important because when you put your focus on something, that's what you get. If you're sitting there the whole time you're studying and being like, I hope I don't fail. I hope I don't fail. I hope I don't fail. You may not get an F and you might even get a, a damn good grade, but now you've just sat there and racked yourself full of this anxiety and stress when you actually ended up getting a pretty good grade. Maybe you got the A or B. And if not, you know, now you went off and got yourself a CD and it's almost like you called it out from the universe. I'm studying so hard. I don't want to fail. Don't let me fail. Please don't let me fail. Please don't let me fail. And then you go in there and all your brain was hearing was fail, 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 fail. The brain doesn't hear the word don't. It doesn't hear the word not. The brain doesn't understand negatives. Check this out. Don't picture a pink elephant. Don't picture a flying car. Don't picture a green letter G. Your brain just pictured those things. It doesn't understand don't. This is why if you want a kid not to spill a glass of water that you hand the child, here's what instead of saying, don't spill this, you say something like, please keep the glass upright. Please keep the glass upright. Please keep all of the liquid in the glass unless you are drinking it. I think I like the first one better. Please keep the glass upright. Please hold on to the glass tight. 
If you say don't drop the glass, their brain pictures dropping a glass. Their brain pictures a glass falling. It's not not every time is the kid going to drop the glass, but you you keep repeating it enough, it's it's going to happen. Now, would have happened anyways. Let's not get into semantics. The point is the brain doesn't understand the word don't or not, right? So when you want to increase your in, your the value of something and bring more of it to you, set your intention and your attention toward it using positive affirmation, positive words. This can seem a little foo foo for those of you who don't get into this whole positive versus negative language. But listen to the way you talk to yourself in your head. And is it not really, really harsh and a little violent and mean sometimes? That's not healthy. And we want to, we want to correct that now so that you don't wake up in, at 30, 40, 50, 60 doing it even worse. Because if you've beaten yourself up in your head, you're going to start lashing out at other people. Because you're going to need something to make yourself feel better. Because inside your head, you've got, your, you're just, you've got yourself tied to the whipping post. And you're just hurting, hurting, hurting constantly. Shout out to the Almond Brothers right there. Um, so an approach motivation. Right, you want to get something. You want to experience something more, discover something more. A, a typical approach emotions are interest, enjoyment, compassion, trust, and love. These are interesting enough. Are some of the foundational building blocks of a relationship. So when you're looking to build stronger, more vibrant relationships, interest, enjoyment, compassion, trust, love. These are the kind of emotions that you're going to be looking to evoke between one another. Uh, a typical approach behaviors consist of learning, encouraging, relating, cooperating, guiding, um, setting limits and boundaries too. And in some cases, you know, those boundaries are not meant to hurt anyone when you bring them up. It's just meant to say, well, this is what I need in order to take care of myself. If you need to be in bed every night by 8 p.m. so that you can get up and feel fresh first class the next day, you can't let people call you at 745 and keep you on the phone for an hour and a half. Yes, you want to be there for them, but then they need to call earlier. And the rare instance, you know, their car catches on fire and rolls down a ravine, okay, that will be the one night that you don't get to bed at eight o'clock. But for general, hey, just calling you to see what's up. You have to have those boundaries if you want to be in bed on time so that you can wake up the next day and be ready for what you need to do to make yourself successful, right? You don't want other people to take from you what you don't really have to give. So, a positive behavior is actually setting these boundaries so that you can be the best version of yourself each and every day so that when these friends and, and, and loved ones, classmates and stuff do need you, do call upon you, you have a full tank. It's like that meme that's always floating around on Instagram where it shows you, but it's like, but you're like actually like a cell phone battery and like the reds down by your feet. If you're not taking care of yourself with your own self care, with your own boundaries, you're, you're setting your limits for you and for others around you, then you're going to end up running on empty a lot. And then that's when the drinking can kick in. That's when the stress and the anxiety take over. You start eating too much junk food. You stop getting as much sleep as you need. Uh, that's when your grades start to drop all because you started letting these boundaries that were there to help you protect you and keep you a hundred percent, you started letting them, them fall, right? So when you're looking for approach behaviors, you want to be learning and encouraging and relating and, and, and guiding others, but you want to make sure that you're also paying attention to what your needs are. And that leads me to avoid motivation. See, when you have this avoid motivation, that's when you want to get away from something. You begin to lower its value or worthiness to yourself 
right? These avoid behaviors can be seen uh, when you ignore people, reject them, withdraw, look down upon or dismiss them, right? What's really, really key here is to understand that if you don't follow the boundaries I was just talking about, if you're not looking out after yourself and protecting yourself and, and letting, making sure your battery stays at 100%, you'll, without even realizing it, begin to start doing this avoid motivation towards your friends and family members and classmates who you think um, are draining you. You'll begin to do these avoidance motivations. And before you know it, you're withdrawing from them. Uh, You're talking behind their back. You're ignoring them. You're doing these behaviors that ultimately uh, lead to resentment, which then will lead to rejection of them. And then that's when the fight starts. That's when the friendships end. You know, when you have these, just like with approach emotions being interest and enjoyment, you know, these avoid motivations, pretty simple. Disinterest, disenjoyment, um, non-compassionate, um, not believing them so that you have non-trustworthiness towards them, that you don't have love, that you have some level of disdain for them. If not, I wouldn't use the word hate because that's that's a strong, powerful word, but there's definitely a disdain where you see them and you're like, oh, I don't know if I got energy for this right now, right? And then you want to turn the other way and roll. These avoid motivations will show up in places where you used to have approach motivation if you are not being mindful of how much energy you're putting into them without feeling like you're getting energy back out from them, right? Energy is like this circle. So if you're putting 100% of your energy into a friendship and you feel like they're only giving you back 25 or 30%, that's going to drain you at some point. That's going to begin to wear on you. And at some point, you're, you're, you're going to snap. You're going to have this sort of rejection mentality because you've allowed these, these resentments. Each time they poke, poke, peck, peck, they want to borrow your notes. They want to, they, the, the roommate plays his alarm clock too loud, plays the music too loud while you're trying to study. All the, the, leaves the dishes in the sink when you've asked them about the dishwasher. All these little things become these little tiny resentments. And it, all of a sudden, this roommate that you loved and you had approach motivation for, now it's a void motivation. And if you don't deal with it correctly, it becomes attack motivation. That's when you want to devalue, insult, criticize, undermine, harm, dominate. It's like you have this, mm, me must destroy, me must smash kind of mentality where it's like, that's it, you're done. Now it's now you're in the rejection stage. Now you're screaming at your roommate. You're screaming at your partner. You're in an argument with your teacher. You're fighting with your boss, right? These attack emotions can be easily recognized. Anger, hatred, contempt, disgust. These characteristics, they, they, they begin, these attack behaviors, they, they become demanding. Um, again, these characteristics, let me be clear, characteristics of attack behavior, uh, demanding, manipulating, dominating, threatening, harming, bullying, abusing, you know, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, psychological, whatever it might be, when they have these attack emotions, it's because, again, You've allowed something that was going from a void, and now it's gotten even deeper. Now it's attack, right? This happens so much in relationships because we want to be there for people, generally, most of us, right? And so we have this approach motivation, and if we get poked enough, bumped enough, you know, tossed aside enough, whatever, eventually it becomes this avoid motivation. And you've seen the attack motivation. You've seen where all of a sudden you're, you're screaming insults at someone that you care deeply for, 
right? You have this inner anger and contempt for them, and you just you you don't even fully understand why you're so angry. Again, if we go back to the idea that when a, a problem arises, if you have a resistance about bringing it up, right? And then you enough of these little resistances, they leaving the. If you have a kid, they leave their shoes by the front door and their backpack by the front door. They leave their dishes spread out all over the place. Their bedroom's always got clothes all over it. Their stuff's just strung out all over the house. And you look around and you told them to not do any of the things that you're seeing right now. And they're still doing them. And each one you let go, each one you have a resistance toward bringing up, before you know it, those resistances, they become resentments. And then each time you see it, it just adds to the resentment pile. And before you know it, you're screaming at them. And you, and it's like, that's not how you want to behave. You know, like I said before, if you're, if you have the, um, how did I reference it before? Um, when you're an emotional child, you have a reaction, right? Something doesn't go your way. All of those things I said about the kid, that could be your roommate. That could be your boyfriend or girlfriend, all their stuff strung about. You've asked them politely not to do that, Right. Instead of sitting down and calmly saying, look, these are the things that are upsetting me and this is why neat and orderly home is important to me. Can we please work on this? If you have not done that and instead you go straight from the avoid to the attack motivation, that's when, you were, that's when you're responding with the emotional child. That's a reaction where now you're screaming and you're yelling and you're fighting and heaven forbid you're actually hitting somebody and you're just coming at them because you're just so frustrated and you're so angry. Whereas back when you started to see these behaviors, if you just took a breath, calmed down and decided I'm going to react with, I'm going to respond with the emotional adult which means I'm going to come from an emotionally balanced, centered place. When you react, it's the emotional child. When you respond, it's the emotional adult. I have recently reacted uh, multiple times with some of my friends, and I'm telling you what, you end up having to apologize for your behavior. You end up having to eat your words, and you generally, often, will find yourself in a position that you did not want to find yourself in. But now you've gotten to this point. You've attacked with this emotional child. You've reacted. Now you put yourself in a position where this may not even have been where you wanted to be. You may have made a decision you're not even positively sure about. But stubbornness or childness or whatever, it's like now you're here. And now you got to unwrap all this. Now you got to figure out all these emotions that have been brought up. And then maybe the emotions needed to be brought up. But at the same time, they could have been dealt with in a more mature, calm, and positive manner which is the emotional adult. Feelings are the conscious and most misunderstood component of emotions. When you have an emotion, these feelings, and I know that sometimes this can get confusing when we talk about feelings and emotions, and you can go Google the difference. I believe last week, I may have made this a little confusing, but it's that like emotions are event-driven, whereas feelings are learned behavior. And so it's, even when I read that, I feel like feelings are um, event-driven. But it's like, no, it, that's right. So see, imagine this. If you have, if you, if you, if, it, if all of a sudden you just feel sad and then 10 minutes later you don't, then that was an event-driven emotion. Whereas a feeling, like you, emotion's happy and a sad, whereas a feeling is joy or depressed. 
It's like whenever you just have this undercurrent of joy or depression, no matter what. Yes, if you're depressed, people can make you laugh. You can you can you can be happy, but it's brief. It's that that's what an emotion is. It's something that is more brief. Anger is brief. Like disdain and contempt, that's a feeling. That's a learned behavior that just lies dormant inside of you waiting to be triggered. Whereas anger, you you can't just walk around screaming at the top of your lungs all day. I've watched homeless people do it in Los Angeles. Even they get tired of screaming at some point. So anger, sadness, that's an emotion, um, right? And then happiness, laughter, the, those are emotions, right? Feelings of contempt, of disdain, of joy, um, that's how you know whether what you're what's go, what you're going through is an emotion or a feeling, and being able to understand these things better is going to open up an entire world to you that you know you're in control. That is the most important thing that you can take from this episode is that you are in control of your feelings and emotions because it's your thoughts in your brain that are causing these. If you think that somebody thinks that you're stupid or ugly or dress funny, right? It doesn't matter what they think about you. You may not know them in a month or a year. It doesn't matter. Even if you're in a small town and you do something ridiculous, whatever, who cares what people think about you? The older you get, and I'm going to close on this, the older you get, the more you'll realize it does not matter what people think about you. Most of the time, people are so in their own heads about themselves that they're barely paying attention to you. And if somebody sees you do something and wants to make fun of it and try to humiliate you and shame you and guilt you and do this for a long period of time, they've got some deep, deep, deep seated issues of themselves that they are unwilling to unearth and look through. So they therefore have to be snarky and, and whack and guilt and shame you. They act that way so that they don't have to turn inward and actually face themselves. That that's how they feel about themselves. A bully bullies because one, they're being bullied at home. And two, they have to feel better about themselves one way or another. At, at home or wherever they're getting bullied, they lose their power. They lose any power. So when they find somebody else who they can now usurp their authority, they can put the power down on, they're going to. It's a, it's a damn shame. It really is. But it, it's this circle of bullying that occurs. It's all about, it's, it, it's, it's a power thing. Why us humans need power. It's beyond me. It's like the reason why people walk through crosswalks slowly, even though they know that cars are waiting on them in order to turn. I get that pedestrians have the right of way and why should I have to rush for them? But you're, you're walking in the middle of the street. Like I get, you might want to stroll on a sidewalk when there's, there's plenty of space and there's no one trying to get around you or, or get by you. But when you're walking in the street, you can kick it up a couple steps. You can move with a little bit faster of pace because if you find yourself in that situation being like, ha, you will all wait on me as I stroll across this crosswalk at a leisurely pace as if I'm enjoying a sunny day in the spring. If you got that attitude, you need to stop, not in the middle of the crosswalk, but later on when you have a moment where you can really go inside yourself and ask yourself, why do you feel the need to flex power in that position? 
in that moment? Where in your life do you, are you feeling that you don't have power so that you then have to use that, you have to make up power in a situation like walking through a crosswalk or keeping somebody um, after work so they can do extra work? Or you know, if you're a manager at a restaurant and you're not cutting somebody, even though the business is slow and, and this person's got a test and they definitely need to get home to study for it, they're going to keep you an extra half hour, an hour just because they can right? If you're a student, you've definitely had that happen to you. If you work in a restaurant or the food service industry, it's like, hey, you could cut me. It's not going to get any busier. And they're like, let's wait an hour and make sure nothing happens. And you're sitting there like, why? Why do they need to flex their power right then and there? I can promise you, I guarantee you 100% this is accurate. You can Google it. Somewhere in their life, they lack power and they have to flex it somewhere. So I'll leave you on that one. Be strong. Be in control of your emotions. When you think that you're, when you when you want to look on that circle again, your circumstances trigger thoughts, cause feelings, drive actions, create results, right? And this is all going to lead back to anchoring into that circumstance. So when it happens again, you're going to have this loop. And if it's not a positive loop, if it's a negative loop, you're going to find yourself behaving in a way that is not congruent with your values. And you don't want to do that. So check it out. Be more mindful of your emotions. Be more mindful of your thoughts. No matter where you find yourself at on this circle, you can either backtrack and figure out what thought led to it, or you can, if, you, if you're literally sitting there with an F in front of you, that's your result. Go back. What was the action? What was the feeling? What was the thought? What was the circumstance that created this F that's in front of you? It'll give you power over the situation, and it'll give you options so that next time you can do it better. And that's what it's all about. There is no failure. There's only feedback for how you did it well this time or how you can do it better the next. Follow that advice. I really wish somebody would have told me that when I was 20 years old. As always, everyone, it's an honor that you join me for this half hour every week. Please be inclusive, not exclusive. The power of positive energy, release it, flow. You will see positivity come back to you. As always, take care of one another out there. Until we meet again, bye-bye for now. 